So um, I just want to do a little introduction. This is the second lesson, as I just said. Tonight we're going to be talking about set apart in lifestyle. So I'll try to bring clarity to the significance of living a life separated from the world and unto God. Tonight I'm going to share why we should live set apart. I'm going to talk about the benefits of living a set apart lifestyle I'm going to talk about the dangers of not being set apart and maybe give some practical steps on how we can be set apart. So uh, thank you for the introduction, Brother Tim. And while my heart grieves for uh, the Hoop and Garner family, for Pam and her her, uh, family, I just loved Mary Elkins. She was very dear to me. She was a dear lady to this church. And when they said they were going to move the community cell, I just thought, you know, if you knew Mary Elkins, you might as well just leave it right here for her service. She would have loved a community cell right in the middle of her home going. So my heart does grieve for them, but I love that lady, and I know she is going to be looking down upon us tonight. So last week, Pastor walked us through the Old Testament Jewish history days of remembrance uh, that were established to provide worship for the children of Israel as they, as a way of remembering that they had been called to a separate lifestyle, that they had been called out to live a life of separation. It's so important to God that his people remember that they were set apart. So he had them establish these days and feasts. Pastor talked about it, the Sabbath, the Passover, Pentecost, the Feast of the Tabernacle. All were days of worship established to commemorate days of separation. The day that they were called out, the day they were kept, the day they were set apart. Uh, We serve an unchanging God. And if it was important to him, his nature does not change, nor his intentions toward his people. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he didn't change, if he wanted them to commemorate and remember those days of being called out, he would want us to do the same. James says that every good gift comes from above, from the Father, with whom is no variableness. He never changes. So if it was important to God then, surely it's important today for us to remember that we are a called out group of people. We are chosen and we are set apart. I thought about um, pastor's lesson last week and I thought, wow, a good application because I'm so practical. I thought a good application for his um, sermon would be if each one of us could just think for just a moment. I want you to recall, I want you to recall the day that you were called out of darkness. Can you remember that day, the day you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light? The day you were clothed with your new identity in Christ. Can you recall that day? I recall it vividly. Although I was a child, I was only 10 years old when the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost, but I recall the entire day. I can remember as a little girl coming home from Sunday school, and I'd walk, I was at my grandmother's house, and I'd walk past the, the mirror in her living room, or it was the hallway. And I was practicing how I was going to go to the altar that night, and I was going to get the Holy Ghost. I remember it, and I loved it. And I knew, even though I was only 10 years old, I was so emphatic about living differently. I wanted to be a Pentecostal. I loved it, and I wanted it so much. Um, it was a very important day. And so if we can each remember that day... Um, Remember, many times, this is another thing, um, 
Many times when I'm speaking with someone about an important decision, I ask them to recall the day, recall the location where God spoke to you and gave you, and, and you made the decision that you made. I ask them to remember this. It's important because there are times the enemy tries to place doubt in our life, but we must remind ourselves of the day the Lord called you. Recall the location where God spoke the word to you. Remembering where we've come from and that we are commanded to live a life of separation from the world is so important. So tonight, I want to speak to you a little bit about being set apart from the world and what it means to embrace holiness and live a life that is pleasing to God. So first, I want to establish some biblical foundations for being set apart. Uh, Once again, God has made it very clear to us that he desires a separate life for chosen people, his chosen people. On many occasions, God called the Israelites in the Old Testament, or he called them to be set apart. Exodus 8, 22 and 23, if you want to put that up, that's fine. The scripture says, I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell. I will put a division between my people and thy people. He's a God of separation. Leviticus says, you shall inherit the land and I will give it to you to possess it. A land that flows with milk and honey. I'm the Lord your God, which hath separated you from other people. Leviticus 20 says, and you shall be holy unto me, for I am holy. And have severed you from other people that you should be mine. God established lines of separation from the very beginning. He called day and night. He separated the day. He separated the night. There were lines drawn in the Old Testament. And there's lines drawn of separation for the Christians in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians six seventeen says, Wherefore, this is talking to the church, so this is New Testament. Wherefore, come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord. Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You know, the world has made it a little difficult. Um, You start drawing lines of separation and refusing fellowship. What did the scripture just say? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Reprove them. Now, the world, you start drawing a line of separation in your life and say, you know what, I'm not going to fellowship that way or I'm not going to do that. Oh, you're too good? Oh, I see. Oh, you're a churchgoer. Oh, they'll label us so fast. Beware. I want you to know God is the one that called those lines of separation. God establishes the separation. Um. Another one they'd like to say is, you know, oh, you just don't want to associate with us. I understand. No, these are boundaries established by God. This is why it's so important that we understand God desires us to live a separate life. First Peter 2, 9 says, this is our school verse. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a peculiar people. Go ahead and look at someone near you and tell them you are peculiar. And it is okay. (laughs) It is okay. 
He's called us out of darkness, so why should we return, right? Why should we return? Sister Hedegar just um, shared a story with me over the weekend about uh, when she was first called, when the Lord first called her, she was a young Christian. And she, regarding a situation, the Lord spoke to her. She had never heard a sermon about this particular topic that we were discussing. And she said, uh, just as soon as this topic came up in her home, the Lord quickened in her and said, why would you return to the darkness that I've already called you out of? So not only does he uh, demand it of us or desire that of us, he reminds us. He will remind us if we'll let him. And that's going to be a part of our, my uh, message to you tonight. When we understand that we are set apart for a reason, it begins to be okay that we don't fit in. When you understand that God called you a peculiar people, it's okay. I taught my kids that a long time ago. You're never going to fit in. My children, I told them, you're not going to fit in. Alexandra was so concerned when she got to middle school. Mom, what am I going to do? This is before we started Life Academy. What am I going to do? Because they're going to want me to dress out for PE, and you know I'm different. I was like, yep, you are different. It's okay. You're different. Um, and, and she just bought into it. You know, if we allow that, if we just speak that to our children, speak that to ourselves, we're going to be able to handle a different, that we are different from the world without, uh, with ease. When you understand that you are set apart, it begins to make sense why we don't do the things that we do because we're called out. You are a chosen generation, a peculiar people. Our actions should show praises to God. These verses emphasize the need for God's people to separate themselves from darkness, sin, and the world to live a life pleasing to God. It's not enough to live a life of separation out of duty. It's not enough. Uh, but we must live a life that is pleasing to God. Um, we were just recently on a trip to Israel, and our uh, tour guide, our leader, um, Hezi, he's a Jewish man, and he's a wonderful 86-year-old Jewish man that leads us through our, on our tour. And he told us, you know, talking about, the Jews, we can't live their life. The Jews live a life of separation out of duty. Over 600 laws they have to observe. He said, it's not easy being a Jew. So, you know, we, we don't do this as separation out of duty. We must do this pleasing to what's pleasing to God. It should be our desire to please him in all aspects of our life. So I want to talk to you about why. Why would we live a life separate from God or separate from the world, pleasing unto God? Reasons for a set-apart lifestyle. Number one, it is a commandment of God. Number two, it strengthens your testimony as a Christian. And number three, and I find this to be the most important, it keeps us focused on eternity. Living set apart is a commandment of God. Uh, pastor so emphatically spoke that last week. Uh, we do not need, he said, we don't need a personal conviction to understand that we are required to live a life set apart. We don't need a personal, personal convictions are wonderful. They're wonderful and they are needful in your life, but we don't need them to live separate. The, the word of God commands us 
to live a separate lifestyle. It's a commandment. First uh, Corinthians, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. First John two fifteen, love not the world or the things of the world. That's pretty clear. The world in this text, though, however, I want to give you understanding, is not referring to God's creation. For God created the world and declared it very good. For the earth is his and the fullness thereof. For God so loved the world. Of course, God loved his creation. And we are to love what he loves. However, the world God forbids us to love is the fallen world. He commands us to love not this fallen world, nor the things of this world. I don't think it gets any clearer than that, right? Living separate, the second part of this is living separate or set apart strengthens our testimony. Our distinctiveness can draw others to Christ and make them curious about the hope and peace that we possess. John Piper puts it this way. Listen closely. I don't think I gave them this quote. Uh, We will never be useful to the world if we are being deeply shapened by the world. And we will never be shaped by the world. I'm sorry. We will never be shaped by the world without, I'm sorry. And we will be shaped by the world without intentional efforts not to be like the world. I'll say it again and I'll slow down. I do everything fast. (laughs) John Piper says, we will never be useful to the world if we are being deeply shaped by the world. And we will, we will be shaped by the world without intentional efforts not to be like the world. Being set apart requires effort. Paul said, I run, I fight, I discipline my body. It takes intentional effort and work to live a holy life of separation. Living a holy life of separation requires personal effort and diligence. Philippians 2 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You've got to work at this, right? Fear and trembling, that's pretty serious. That's some serious uh, work there. First Timothy 4 says, Paul admonishes Timothy, don't believe all the fables and the wives' tales of the world. Exercise yourself unto godliness. A holy life of separation takes intentional effort, obedience, and reliance on God. It requires actively pursuing righteousness, resisting temptation, and cultivating a life of godliness. While it is God who empowers us, It does take our effort and dedication. It is essential part of the process. So new life, new life. You are distinct. You are peculiar. You are set apart. And while we put forth effort to live a life separate from the world, pleasing unto God, let your set apart lifestyle strengthen your testimony. Let it pique the curiosity of others about the pureness of God in our lives. We are not of this world, but we live in this world. We grocery shop here. We work, we work here in different places. We exercise in local uh, facilities. We 
do business transactions everywhere. You don't be ashamed of your separated lifestyle. It's piquing the interest. It's causing curiosity among others. They'll ask you. They'll ask all about all about you. Thank you, Brother Norcell. I want to say thank you for that powerful prayer on Sunday. You've moved me with your anointing. I loved your testimony that you shared in our class on uh, during our prayer group about how your coworker noticed a difference in you and started to guard their language and words around you. They noticed that you're set apart. This was your testimony, and this is what it means. This is what I mean when I say living a life of separation strengthens your testimony. But most importantly, the reason you should live a separated lifestyle would be it keeps us focused on eternity. Rather than be consumed with temporal efforts and pursuits, living a set-apart life helps us to maintain an eternal perspective and prioritize eternity. Say it aloud. Eternity. Eternity. It's real. We will spend eternity somewhere. Don't think that this life that we're living is just because it's nice and beneficial and good, a good, clean life. We are, we're intentional about a holy lifestyle. We are intentional about being set apart. You will spend, we will spend eternity somewhere. Colossians 3, verse 2 through 4 says, set your affections on thing, things above and not on this earth. 1 Corinthians 2, says, Paul says, for I determine, I love this verse, I determine, I choose to know nothing among you save Christ and him crucified. In the end, nothing else matters. By living a set-apart life, we maintain an eternal perspective, always keep an eternity as our goal. Isn't that what you want? It's what I want. The reasons to be set apart, it's a commandment. It strengthens our testimony, and it keeps us focused on eternity. Now let's get to the benefits. Let's talk about the benefit package. Everyone loves a good benefit, right? How about the benefits of living a separate lifestyle? How about the peace of God? Righteous living brings peace. Isaiah says, for the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. So many of us are just, we say, all I want is peace. I need God. I need peace in my life. I need peace in my home. Did you know that righteous living, holy living brings peace? Blessed assurance. It says righteous, the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. There's something to be said about living within boundaries and knowing what side we're on, right? This brings peace. It's less confusion, knowing who you are, what you will do, what you won't do. To think that we can live any way and partake in anything and expect God to accept our lifestyle. God forbid. That is not what I want to do. I want to do what's pleasing to him. You want clarity? You want peace? Less confusion? Quietness and assurance? Cut out all the choices. Determine it's okay to live a life set apart. This is my lifestyle. This is who I am. This is what I want. And this is where I draw a line. I will go. This is where I won't go. Make these decisions and free yourself and your family 
from the turmoil and the confusion. Parents, sometimes we have to make these decisions for our children. I just read this in my um, daily Bible reading that Moses made a plea to the people, to the adults that were in the wilderness. And I guess if you're doing your daily Bible reading, you read it as well, maybe a few days ago. Um, You were the ones, he said, he told the people, you were the ones that saw the miracles. Your children weren't around. They don't know the impact of these days of remembrance. It's just tradition to them. So Moses was making a plea to the adults. He said, you must tell your children. You must tell them, share the importance of why we do what we do and then reap the benefit of living righteously. It's important. One of the benefits is the peace of God. The second is identity. Identity is a benefit. Living a set-apart life reminds us of our true identity in Christ. Our identity is rooted in him and not defined by the standards of this world. Can you say amen? I am so thankful. My identity is not, does not come from this world. I am so thankful for that. Embracing the concept of set apart unto him gives me understanding of my worth, my purpose, my role in the kingdom work. Self-worth. When our identity is rooted in Christ, it means that our sense of self-worth and value comes from him. It is not defined. It might Self-worth and value comes from being loved and accepted by him. We are not, we are no longer defined by the shifting standards and opinion of the world. This brings a deep sense of security and confidence. I'd say this is a fabulous benefit in my life. Knowing my value is not based on external achievements, appearance, social status. Serious, this is a huge pressure on us. Um, Our values come from knowing that we are loved and accepted by Christ. Thank you, Carol. I'm not sure where Sister Carol Moresh is, but she's always feeding me scripture. And one of the scriptures she recently gave me was Ephesians 1, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I don't care if I'm accepted anywhere else. My identity comes from Christ. And that's when, that's living a set-apart life. You just get it. I'm different. It's okay. I am, I'm accepted in the beloved. So maybe this liberty that I'm feeling might come with maturity or age, you could say. Uh, You no longer feel the pressure of conforming to others' opinions or expectations. But truthfully, it's when I realized I'm set apart unto God. That I do not need to be affirmed by the world. That's where my confidence came. And it comes from God. Now while there are glorious benefits to living a life unto the Lord. There are dangers of living. um, Of not living a set apart lifestyle. And that's what I want to share a little bit with you as well. Um, The scripture says love not the world. Nor the things of the world. And this is another favorite scripture of mine. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, No man that warreth, that would be us, we are soldiers of the Lord, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Um, once again, love not the world or the things of the world. I wish we would commit that, that small verse to memory. 1 John 2.15 There is definitely nothing subtle about that scripture. It's abrupt. It's to the point. 
Paul emphasizes the importance of our love for God over worldly desires. He forbids a love of the world in no certain terms. You either love God and hate the world. You can't have both. I'm sure if asked, each of us would consider ourselves one that loves not the world, right? I would think so. I think we could say we love God. We are not a lover of the world. But I want to share a little story with you. Um, It's found in your Bible. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. It tells the story of a man named Demas. Demas was a close friend of the Apostle Paul. Demas was at Paul's side. He was spreading the gospel right along with Paul. He was strengthening the churches throughout the church history. Demas was Paul's traveling companion, a missionary, an evangelist, you could say. Demas is the one sending greetings back to the church. He was an encourager of the church while Paul was imprisoned. Yet we read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, Demas deserted Paul because of his love for this present world. I first heard this message about Demas from my dad's pastor years ago, Brother Lonnie Treadway um, in Beaumont, Texas. Um, And then, of course, after that, Jeff has preached several sermons and spoke about Demas. It never fails. Each time I hear this story, my heart aches with feelings of sadness that no doubt was felt by the Apostle Paul. What a tragedy. His companion, his partner in ministry, forsook him, left him, departed him because he had such a love for the world. One that preached the gospel. One that encouraged others, walked alongside the minister. He lost out with God because he fell in love with the world. Not only did he desert Paul or the congregation, he deserted Christ and all that he believed as well. What happened? How did Demas go from this close companion of the apostle, the passionate lover of God, to walk it out on God and the things of God? I personally weep. Because I have this very thought of so many loved ones. How did it happen, Lord? They loved you. I remember where they sat. I know how they worshiped you. They loved you. And now they're not serving you. How does this happen? So many of our very own. I don't know exactly how it happened for Demas. But I know for the ones I love, it wasn't immediate. It, it really wasn't even obvious at first. It was a gradual weakening, a subtle contaminating, and eventually a conforming to the world. I'm sure we all know a Demas, or possibly we have been in the same situation as Demas, once passionate about the things of God, and then suddenly, or so it seemed, faded from fellowship, turning our backs on the church and Christ, or fell into serious sin, leaving all to wonder what happened. So often we are unaware of the signs of the world creeping into our lives. We become desensitized so quickly. It's subtle, not always immediate, noticed, but not always immediately noticed by others or even ourselves. It just begins with a dull conscience, a place where sin doesn't grieve you like it once did. I go places and I hear things that grieves my heart. My spirit is in knots and I'm shocked at the way people, Christians, are unfazed by words, 
lyrics, conversations that take place in their presence, we should be disturbed. And it's okay to say, mm, I'm not comfortable with this conversation. It should, it should concern us when things are being spoken that, that grieves our heart. I'm not comfortable with this conversation. It's not long. And that person like Demas that just gets accustomed to that is overtaken by sin. Oh, it's not serious, you say. I'm just in a busy season. I'll get back. I'll gain my zeal. Don't you worry about me. I'm still attending church. It's not like I've left God or anything. I've been just a little preoccupied lately. I'll get back on track real soon. I wonder if Demas ever said that. Oh, the bait of Satan, the lies, the trap that he sets. It really does get me. There was a time Demas was passionate for God and the things of God. But little by little, the love of the world seeped into his heart. The scripture says, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Sadly, Christians are largely unaware of this danger because we have ignored the common 1 John 2.15. Let's, let's establish this. We've ignored the command, I'm sorry, of 1 John 2.15. Love not the world or the things of the world. We've become completely desensitized to the clear and present danger of worldliness. We've lost a measure of clarity when it comes to how we relate to the world. Even the very terminology, worldliness, seems dated. Say it, worldliness. Go home and say it in front of your children, and they'll say, oh, it's so old-fashioned, Mom. Worldliness? Mine probably would. I don't know. They hear it quite often. It seems dated, but and we don't talk about it. I will tell you, recently I participated in an event at our local Baptist community church, and upon participating, they, took a, they were letting us know, the group, we're taking a staunch stand against a particular style of clothing and hairstyle for young men. They stated that they forbid such, and this is their reason. They, they were proud of their stance. We will, not, we will not allow this because it follows the fashion of the world. I was quickly convicted by the standard that my dear friends at the Baptist church held against worldliness. Come on, Pentecostals. I was speaking to myself. There was a time that we were set apart and we were okay that we were set apart. There was, there was a time that we were just known. That's just what they do. That's just who they look like. But now ugh, we kind of think, oh, maybe we need to blend in so that we don't feel so attacked or so that we don't feel persecuted. We were okay with this set apart. There was a confidence in our identity. We just knew that this is who we were and we were set apart. I like to think of it as our lines have been blurred, the blurred lines of distinction, the distinction between the church and the world. The Christian lifestyle and the worldly conduct was once so clear, yet now they have, there's lines that have been blurred beyond recognition. You can't, you can't tell the difference between the Christians and the, and the world now. 
I would hope that we can tell the difference between new life Christians and the world. I can't speak for anyone else. This is a message to my new life family. And I want to say, let's get a hold of this. Let's forsake the world. Let's be aware and not let the world creep into our homes and into our life. This worldly lifestyle. We are losing clarity slowly. We are allowing the world to drift into our lives. And as a result, and the end result of this is dangerous. We live in such a world of tolerance. There is no good. There is not good or evil. There's not right. There's not wrong. Right now, there's not even male or female. There's just tolerance of everything. We are so desensitized that not only can we not discern right from wrong, but God forbid that we would speak it to another and risk at risk of offending someone. Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I recently read the, this quote that I'm going to quote here, and it, uh, it couldn't be more applicable than now. The greatest challenge facing Christians today is not persecution of the world, but seduction by the world. We're being seduced. They don't need it. We don't need to be persecuted. They got us. We're just blending in right along with them. We don't need to worry about persecution from the world. We are succumbing to its enticement. We aren't truly under attack from without. We're decaying from within. We're decaying. God forbid that happens to us, New Life family. Let's wake up and understand the importance of living a life, not only separate from the world, but pleasing to God. Let's not forget that's the goal. What is pleasing to God? I love what Sister Anita keeps just pounding. Love what God loves. Hate what God hates. Love what God loves. Hate what God hates. I challenge us to look introspectively and question ourselves. Have the lines between wholesome living, godliness, Christianity, and the world in our very own life become so indistinguishable that we or others cannot see any difference at all. Ask yourself. Do some self-check here. I have. If you find that the lines of separation are blending in your personal life, I urge you to heed 1 John 2.15. Love not the world or the things of the world. I'm going to share a few practical steps to live a separate, uh, to live set apart. Uh, Love what God loves. Number one, just love what he loves. If God doesn't love it, then stay far away from it. If it doesn't please him, stay away from it. Have a pure heart. Ask the question. Why do I want to watch, wear, listen, go? Why do I want to do? And then insert whatever you want to insert there. Why do I want to do this? Ask yourself these questions. Ask yourself, what sinful temptation will this action produce? Is it worth it? What sinful, what sinful temptation will this action that I desire produce? And then ask yourself another question. What does this say about the condition of my heart? Why am I desiring to do this, to say this, to share this? Why am I desiring it? What does it say about the condition of my heart? Follow righteousness, love, and holiness. 2 Timothy 2.22. Philippians 4.8 
Whatever is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. A practical step to living a set-apart life is to love what God loves. Think on these things, things Philippians 4, 8. If your mind goes somewhere else, ask yourself, why am I thinking these thoughts? Yeah, nope. Is it lovely? Is it pure? I'm not going to go there. Is it of good report? I'm not going to share it. If there be any virtue, is there any praise? That's what you should be thinking on. Another practical um, step to living a separated lifestyle is hate what he hates. It's not difficult. In our pursuit to living a life set apart, in our pursuit to living a life set apart that pleases God, let's not forget what is displeasing to God. There's no guessing what he hates. If you want to write a scripture, you can write this. If you want to know what he loves, remember Philippians 4, 8. If you want to know what he hates, I want you to write Proverbs 6, 16 down. There's no questioning what God hates. It's described like this. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look. Are we, do we have pride in our heart? Reject a proud look and embrace humility. A lying tongue is the second. Hands that shed innocent blood. God hates a heart that deviseth wickedness. God hates the feet that are swift and running to mischief. So often we say, oh, he's just a mischievous little boy. He's mischief. Oh, no, I don't want to be known as that. God hates that. I think we need to check our heart. Why? Why are we mischievous? Why do we have that desire to, to, to stir up, stir the pot? God hates a false witness that speaketh lies. And number seven, he that soweth discord among the brethren. Actually, the scripture says a seventh, the seventh is an abomination unto him. He that soweth discord among the brethren. We're talking about worldliness and how easy it can creep right here into the church. It can get into our personal lives and we don't even realize it. So in discord, you know, I remember when um, the evangelists would come here and they'd preach and they'd say, I'm just going to share all this and pastor can clean it up when he gets, whenever I get it, when I leave, pastor can clean it up. And now I can say pastor's gone. So I'm saying all this and he can clean it up when he gets home. Oh, Proverbs 6 serves as a warning against the behaviors, the attitudes that are detestable to the Lord. Actions that we are not careful will slip into our lives before we know it. And we will lose the godliness, the separation, the holiness in our lifestyle and become bitter, just as bitter as the world is. Proverbs eleven twenty: they that are of a forward heart are abomination to the Lord. The Lord gave me this scripture in my private prayer time. And I just had to keep, keep, I kept quoting it. They that are forward are of a forward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. And I kept thinking a forward heart, a forward heart. What in the world? Listen to what the definition of a forward heart, the forward heart in this context refers to a stubborn, rebellious or perverse heart that is resistant to correction, wisdom, and righteousness. 
someone that's difficult to deal with, someone that's always contrary, that's always bucking everything you say, just obstinate, a forward heart. Be careful. I suggest you check your spirit, making sure that you don't have a forward heart. Ask yourself, if you find yourself, church family, when the word is spoken, do you find yourself with folded arms, questioning and resisting the preached word, possibly even this word? I learned long ago not to dismiss the word because of the deliverer, because of the delivery or the deliverer. God can use anyone to speak his word, and we are all responsible. So I just want to I want to caution that if you're always, when the preached word goes forth and you're like, mm, not sure about that. Mm, mm, uh, I, I don't see it that way. Now the, the, the word does tell us to be as the Bereans, that we should go home and study to approve it, study knowing the scriptures. And we should do that. We should do that. But I think that you all know there's a lot of accountability that comes from this platform. Pastor, he is accountable to so many. And you let him get out of line, I guarantee you, not me, <laughs> not me, maybe, not, not necessarily me, but you let him get out of line in his preaching word, there'll be some phone calls made. There'll be some phone calls made. Pastors will be calling in. Hey, now, I, I've been there. I've been there. Not, not preaching here, but when we were young and evangelizing, you know, we kind of felt a little freedom. Whoop. Now, Brother Jeff, Brother Jeff, sometimes it's Mom Harpool. <laughs> now, son, let's, there's a lot of accountability. So I want you to be at ease. When the preach word goes forth, there's no need. You can unfold your arms and you can say, I receive it. I receive it. And then let him be dealt with or let this, whoever's speaking the word be dealt with if it's incorrect. Because it, oh, what a bad, that I'm telling you, that is a bad spirit. If you allow that to enter into your heart, that is a forward heart. We don't want that. Always difficult to deal with and contrary. Um, God can use anyone to speak his word and we still are responsible. More importantly, I would be concerned about the condition of our heart. It may start with a little discontentment outside of the church or the preached word. I would check our spirit if you find yourself always wanting to push against what is being taught. Yes, the scripture tells us to study the word, and I went over that. Um, I'm basically talking about uh, just, the, just hearing the word always. Actually, it's a, a spirit of rebellion. This is what the Lord told me. This is what the Lord told me about the forward heart. He said it's contrary. He said, but it's a spirit of rebellion. So be careful. Caution, Tammy. The Lord speaks to me, caution, if you're always questioning, uh, Lord, is that a a spirit of rebellion in my heart? A heart of rebellion is displeasing to God. So in conclusion, every day we are faced with choices that reveal where our affections lie. Whether it's a love for the world or a love for God, it is crucial for us to develop the discernment to detect the worldliness in our own life, and to safeguard our heart from the influence of the world. So if you get nothing else out of this message, I want you to understand how easily the world can seep into our life, and it's up to us to safeguard our home, our hearts and our lives, to discern. No, enemy, you're not coming in. You're not sneaking in that, that way. You're not coming in a back door. You're not coming in. Let us choose daily to live set apart unto God, making intentional efforts to resist the allure of the world and actively pursue righteous living. May we be ever mindful 
of eternity. Ever mindful of eternity and eternity. Benefits that await us as we walk. We may, we may be ever mindful of eternal benefits that await us as we walk this path, knowing that our lives are pleasing to God and our ultimate joy lies and being set apart unto him. I love you all, and I thank God that we have a, a church that believes and loves holiness, loves being set apart, not just for the sake of duty, not for the sake of duty, but for the pleasing unto God. So, Brother, Brother Tim Barber, will you please come and close us out with prayer? Thank you. Good job. Amen. Let's all stand. What a wonderful word. Ah, guarding what God has given us is probably one of the greatest things that we can do in the kingdom of God. It reminded me of a story, and I'll say this real quick. There was a hunter that was hunting turkeys one day, and he was on the edge of a field. And he looked across the field, and on the other edge of the, the woods, there was a great big tom turkey that just popped out of the woods. And he pulled his rifle up, and he got ready to aim and got ready to shoot the turkey. And then all of a sudden, he saw off to the left in the field a, a fox. And the turkey stood still, and the fox just stood there. Didn't make a move towards the turkey. It didn't frighten it. It just stood there. And all of a sudden, the hunter waits a second as the, the standoff between the turkey and the fox are, is happening. And he looks in the woods off to the right, and he saw three little foxes. The three little foxes began to slowly sneak up on the turkey, all the while the focus of the Tom Turkey was on the big fox. And he said, the Lord spoke to him in that moment and said, we get so focused on the big thing that it's the small things that will destroy us. Because as he watched, as soon as that fox took a step, the bird started to fly and the three little foxes reached up and grabbed the feet of that turkey. We have to guard our heart. We have to guard our mind. Holiness is not just external, but it begins internal. We have to be set apart internal. And I'm so thankful for that word tonight, Sister Tammy. Can we give the Lord one more hand for Sister Tammy and that word? Such a good word. Stirred my spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for this word tonight. So, so very thankful, Lord, that your word is alive and transforms us, God, from the inside out. I thank you, Lord, for holiness, for us being chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy people, a peculiar people. I thank you, Lord, that you've chosen us to be set apart, called out from among them, and be separate in our minds and in our attire and in our lifestyle. I thank you, Lord, for those under the sound of my voice that have made the decision. They've drawn the line in the sand that this is what I am. This is what I'm going to be. I'm going to live for you, God, every single day of my life. And I thank you, Lord, for the holiness and the power that comes with it through your spirit. I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody say amen.